podcast this is ebony and this is zelma and this is our take two not that y'all need to know this but we recorded um without pressing record and so we are recording again yeah yeah oh i forgot to say um sorry um so this episode will be about anxiety um we will talk about anxiety management as both of us kind of struggle with that um which i think is kind of just a product of being in grad school and probably other like personality life stuff um but we know that it's something that plagues a lot of people and we are going to help um try to help y'all by giving y'all some tips that we practice in our own lives. Yeah. Um, but before we get there, we will start with our shout out segment. Yeah. So our first shout out goes to Joseph Riquelm. Um, sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, but a recent video went viral. Um, he apparently created an app for videoshop.net and then used the earnings from that app to pay off his parents' mortgage. And in the video, he's kind of telling his parents that he paid off the mortgage. And so it like both, of course, both his parents like started crying. His mom cried first and then his dad cried. And, you know, he was just like sitting there and it was, it was just really nice. It was a nice reminder of, you know, we talk about things. This is one of the things that we all wish we could do for our parents and he like did it and then to see it was really nice so it was a, a pick me up to be like okay some people do you know being in grad school you forget what it's like to make money <laughs> so when you're like oh look. I never learned <laughs> <laughs> so you're like oh look you can make money and yeah. pay for things and so shout out to Joseph and to all the Josephs out there who are not just like paying going crazy and paying off your parents mortgage for like helping out yeah. and there are different ways that you can help out with your parents but for us who um who come from families or backgrounds where we kind of have more responsibility in helping out with our families shout out to all of us and shout out to joseph yeah do you know what videoshop.net no I yeah i should have looked that up because i was curious i'm like can i create an app because, if, I mean, the way that technology is going, I feel like we should all know how to code. We should yeah. all know how, because that's... They have, the, like, coding things for, for kids. Yeah. Like, they can play games to code stuff. Yeah, yeah I've been wanting Maurice's little brother to get involved in that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'll make sure Brett knows yeah. how to. Yeah, that would be... To code. Mm-hmm, because he could be an stuff. engineer, yeah. Yeah. One day, one yeah. day, life goals. Um, okay, so our second shout out goes to Power 106. Um, so Power 106 is LA's biggest um, hip hop station, uh, radio station, and they recently took a stand of solidarity with Nipsey Hussle's wife, Lauren London, and banned Kodak Black's music after he posted a video on Instagram where he's making like really disrespectful and tasteless comments about trying to get at Lauren London. Um, he essentially said, well, first of all, he's hard to understand. Like, um, that accent is just like crazy, but he basically said that he would give her a year to cry and mourn over Nipsey's death. And then it'll be his turn. Um, and so he just, he disgusts me even before this, I found him pretty gross. Um, but this is just like, it's just so disrespectful yeah. um, to say to somebody a couple days after their husband has been killed. Like, it's yeah. just, 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it's, and I don't listen to his music or anything. And I mean, not that I, I don't know if this comment necessarily warrants like him to be, um, what do you call that? Muted or canceled oh, no. or whatever. Like, I'm not necessarily going to avoid his music, but I wasn't listening to it in the first place. So I, I don't really care very much. Um, but then also T.I. recently um, made a video kind of in response and was telling him that, you know, like, I guess that like they're from the same. Wait, Cody Mark is from Atlanta, right? I have no idea. I thought he was from Atlanta. I don't know. But he, um, T.I. is from Atlanta. T.I. told him, like, you need to apologize, you need to take that back, or whatever. Of course, Kodak Black, being who he is, doubled down on it and was like, or else what? What you gonna do? So T.I. took down his um, artwork and his, um, like, the Kodak Black installation at the Trap Music Museum, which is in Atlanta. And I just visited this past weekend, and Kodak Black stuff was still up. But I guess within the last day, <laughs> they took it down. And I saw that video of that happening on the shade room, and I was like, yes. You know, in solidarity. Because, yeah. no, yeah. you cannot just go around disrespecting somebody's legacy, somebody's life, somebody's wife. Not only his wife, the mother of his child. Like, who? Yeah. Just, and then put it in a... It, and it was circulating. And it was, she probably can't avoid it even yeah. if she wanted to. So it's... Ugh, these kids, man. Yeah. Actually, he's not even a kid. I don't know how... Isn't he, like, 22 or something? I don't know. He's... Yeah. Yeah. So I'm... Yeah. Yeah. So shout out to Power 106. Good for them. Yeah. Maybe he needs a timeout. Yeah. I think some other people did it, too. But, yeah. I was I was really, really proud of them. Um, okay. So that wraps up our shout-out segment. And now we will transition into our In the Know segment. for our in the know segment yes and so our first in the know uh, topics is actually based on an article that i was reading on npr and apparently there is a rise in the recruiting of white nationalist groups across the west so they were talking about like oregon washington um and saying that um in recent months college campuses across the west including the university of montana Montana's a what? The University of Utah, the University of Denver have seen an increase of recruiting efforts by Patriot Front, which is a national a white nationalist group. Um, they said that although there's a large white population in the American West, you know, Montana, um, Utah, uh, there's there they are experiencing an increasing Latino and immigrant population, which may be driving the increased recruiting. Mm. And so I just thought it was interesting that we don't really pay attention to that part of it, other than the group of people who like shot at the police or had a stand in Montana. No, like in Oregon or Washington uh, or something. There was uh-huh. a story a couple years ago about these people that were like in us basically a settlement that were just like had a bunch of guns and were shooting at the police yeah. and they were white. And um, other than that, I hadn't really heard a lot about the new news stuff coming from it. I didn't even think they were like racist until I started reading about it. And then, um, you know, my partner's brother lives in Oregon. And so um, just learning about, they, they make jokes about the type of racism up there. Yeah. Like it's different than the South, the racism yeah. in the South and the racism in the North. So it's just like, you know, something that while 
And I think it, it's definitely uh, shaped by the Trump administration and the increase in white, um, in the visibility of white nationalist groups and white nationalist speech. But it's just like something to definitely keep an eye out for that. Um, and this is not unexpected that we see this where whenever there's an increase of a group that is deemed, quote unquote, threatening, there's yeah. a response by other people around it. And so I guess people are scared about immigrants in this area. No, they are not. First of all, well, so like you like you said, yeah, it's very different because they're liberal up there. Like they're very, very left leaning, but then also racist. And it yeah. seems like those two things wouldn't go together, but they do. Yeah. But I know that there's also particularly in Montana and Utah, there's a very big um like veteran, white mm-hmm. veteran population. And so it could be, you know, like the whole like nationalist kind of rhetoric makes sense and then because it's so white it's like you know white nationalists and just yeah um but i actually saw i actually saw um candace owens Mm. trending on um twitter today and i was wondering why and there's a video of her talking about this being false and fear mongering. So NPR is boring. So she, so she says that uh, because if, if you don't know, like we, well, I think we did. Did we do an episode on yeah, her? Um, yeah. So she is a black um, woman. I want to say she's she a might black Tommy Lauren. Yeah. So she might be about our age or a little bit older. Yeah. No, I think she yeah. is. Um, but she is conservative, uh-huh. uh, very conservative Republican, and she argues that the Democratic Party is holding black people back mm-hmm. um and that because black people are predominantly democratic that is why they are also predominantly poor mm-hmm. um it's not the structural racism yeah and then she also one thing that republicans have been doing a lot which irritates me is that they say that the democratic party is historically racist and it's always been racist as if there wasn't that like complete switch of the parties in who they represented Um, when was that? I want to say that was in like the seven sixties or seventies that that happened. Yeah. But yeah, like the democratic values used to mirror the Republican values, but there was a switch with some president. I can't remember which one, um, where the democratic party started, um, being more supportive of, oh, it was, it happened with the, um, it happened with the shoot. I'll edit this, but what bill? The Civil Rights Act. Mm. And so when the Democratic Party, and don't quote me on this, but when the Democratic Party embraced or supported the Civil Rights Act, that's when, you know, black people started to support the Democratic Party and Democratic candidates. So it's like, no, I mean, why are we acting like that moment in history is not relevant? But yeah, so she was saying that this is this happens before every election. You know, there's all this fear mongering from the left and, you know, they don't want people, they don't want to lift the veil and for black people to realize that the Republicans are really, truly their allies, which I mean, mm-hmm. come on now. She's. Yeah. Well, I'm going to trust NPR <laughs> and yeah. Candace Owens, but. Because what has she done for us? Not just lately, but ever. Yeah. Um, yeah, so definitely, you know, if I um, come across other articles that kind of track this, you know, to either rebuttal what she has to say or to provide us in the audience with more facts to be able to combat 
alternative facts. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll definitely keep you guys updated. Yeah. Okay, so um, our second in the know, and you, if you've been following this um, situation, you probably heard about this already, but Eric Holder, um, the man accused in Nipsey Hussle's murder, was arraigned on April 4th. He was charged with murder, two counts of attempted murder, and possession of a firearm by a felon. Um, his bail was set to $5 million, so he will be in jail. Um, and O.J. Simpson's former prosecutor and former district attorney, Chris Darden, a black man, has volunteered <laughs> to represent Eric Holder. Um, he also had the audacity to enter a non, not guilty plea on Holder's behalf. Yeah, so uh, I was, you know, in I saw this circulating on social media, but the daughter of this guy, Chris, Chris Darden, um, had to release a statement on Instagram um, due to oh, apparently a lot of backlash she was receiving on behalf of her father's decision to take the case. So in this statement, she said that this was bringing back terrible like memories of the O.J. Simpson trial. And so people should, you know, take into consideration that she has no say in the cases that her dad takes. And so all the hate and harassment that's directed towards her shouldn't be directed towards her, which I think she has, a, you know, she yeah. has a case. Um, I didn't even know he had a daughter, yeah. but I can imagine people saying terrible things to her because yeah. of He's vigilante. The, yeah, the anger exist. that people have about the death of Nipsey. So, yeah. you know, I thought that that was... I guess, like, interesting or crazy that she had to, like, I guess, you know, Instagram is the new, like, conference center. Yeah. But she, like, released a statement and was like, basically, leave me alone. Yeah, I don't know. If I were her, I would be like, yeah, I love you, Dad, but I have to publicly um, denounce this. Why well, make him it, do it? If, like, well, I guess it depends on what where she stands kind of morally, because if she disagrees with his decision, mm -hmm. because he's doing this for clout, like, why else would you why, why, why else would you represent someone who is on tape murdering someone yeah. and then enter a not guilty plea on their behalf? Yeah. Like, it just doesn't make sense. So. Yeah, I I would have to be like, yeah, like it's you know it's all love. I appreciate everything you did it for me all my life, but um, you're just you know just kind of taking L's. Um, yeah, this because this is ridiculous. Yeah, and it's like, what's the point? Because he's not. It's not like he's going to be found not guilty. Maybe they're going to do an insanity thing because they you know yeah they're going to claim he was that found at a yeah the mental yeah. hospital. Yeah. So maybe they're going to say that he. Or maybe he's going to do this whole, like, uh, you know how they did in that case about the rich people, about that rich kid who they were like, oh, he was so rich, he didn't know right from wrong. There's, oh, so he's so poor, he doesn't know right from they're wrong? They're going to know, like, he came, maybe they might say he came from an environment of violence where he only knew how to respond in this way. Yo. I mean, they, they, but that guy was white, but they were able to convince the jury that because this guy was so rich, he was never brought up to really be able to yeah. have a moral compass, basically. Yeah. So I wonder if this trial will be televised because oh. this is going to be... Oh, well, if it's not, I'm sure this guy will try to make it because... Yeah. You're That's not gonna. You're for. not gonna want. Yeah, to do put this on without like getting a lot of. Yeah. No, this is coverage trash. on it. This yeah. is trash. So I'm sure we'll. You know, if because of who's taking it, we're gonna. This is gonna become keep developing. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um. And then next, 
this story I thought was like, I mean, okay, so it's funny, but then it's also sad because I felt bad for the family. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I actually saw a movie like this, I think, on Lifetime. I don't know. Um, but he just copied something that he saw on TV. So Brian Michael Reaney is a 23-year-old guy from Hawaii. Uh, Hawaii? What? <laughs> from Ohio. Um, who was charged for claiming to be a little boy named Timothy Pitson who went missing in Illinois in 2011 when he was six years old. Um, so Brian, the person faking, was found wandering the streets in Newport, Kentucky last week and claimed that he had escaped his abductors. Um, so the FBI ultimately tested this guy's DNA and determined that he was lying. Um, and I mean, I, I don't know why he did this, but yeah, I just felt like, bad for the family because he got their hopes up yeah like thinking true. that i mean they're and then also he was pretending i think to be a 14 year old so he's 23 oh. and um the kid at this point would be 14 um and so yeah they're you know they're feeling like their kid has been you know their kid is, who's been missing for eight years is suddenly Alive. found and yeah, yeah and it's like I don't know. This is this is so sad. Is but sad. in the movie that I watched, <laughs> they um, where the same situation happened, where this guy was pretending to be this person that had been lost. Um, the family kind of like because they were so relieved at the possibility that the kid had been found, they accepted him. Even That's, even though they kind of knew, I'd be like, mad if I was the kid, be like, oh, you're just gonna take a replacement. Yeah. But the FBI kind of, or whoever the investigator was on the case was like, this is not your kid. Um, this is probably not your kid. And they were like, like, no, I don't want, you know, they were like rejecting all of that. Um, mm. But yeah, so I don't know. I was pretty bummed out. Um, okay. And so lastly, this is a little bit lighter on a little bit lighter mm -hmm. note. Um, but so last week, media outlets started circulating reports that Beyonce's decision to partner with Reebok um, had something to do with their what? Not to partner. I don't know why. It's put all I've been staring at a computer all day, mm. like since 10 a.m. I think my vision is just finally letting go. Okay. Again, last week, media outlets started circulating reports that Beyonce's decision not to partner with Reebok had something to do with their lack of diversity. Um, so apparently, ESPN reporter Nick DePaula started a rumor on the show that diversity was incredibly important to Beyonce, which I, I don't doubt, like maybe it yeah. is, um, but saying that he had heard that she had a meeting at Reebok and they had a whole presentation of everything, potential products, how this could all look. And she kind of took a step back and said, is the team that would be, is this the team that would be working on my product? And somebody said, yes. And she said, nobody in this room reflects my background, my skin color and where I come from and what I want to do. Um, and he said that she kind of took a step back and then just left the room. Um, and they didn't, then Reebok just never came to terms with this. So apparently Reebok has debunked this rumor. Um, they said that it's categorically false and they're really disappointed and appalled by the false report. Um, so I guess she decided to go with, I think, Adidas. Adidas, yeah. And so she's coming out with shoes? I like, that's maybe a like, clothing line? Yeah, maybe. Clothing? Yeah, maybe. Because she has Ivy Park, but maybe yeah. she's doing like, uh, yeah, like shoes and sportswear or something. Yeah, I'm just. Ever since, uh, ever since Darion, I'm a little bit like, 
I don't know about Beyonce in the clothes. I don't know. Um, I'd buy it. You would? Yeah. <laughs> Do you own, like, I know. I did have some Darion pants back in the day or an outfit or whatever that my mom bought. And it was, what I did like about the clothes was that it kind of, like, fit. It was kind of, like, made for a, like, in the same way that, like, these companies now are making clothes for, like, women that are curvier or whatever, um, that, I think, is what Darion did early on. Yeah. Um, even though the designs were subpar. Although it was, like, the 2000s. It was. And all the 2000s clothes were trash. Yeah, like, like, looking back, it's, like, oh, yeah. the colors. Oh, my the... God. I'd heard that Kamora Lee Simmons was... Um, Bringing back baby fat. Oh my gosh, I used to love baby fat. Oh my god, I did too. But then when you look back at it, it's yeah, like it's that cat. Yeah, and like the pink yeah. fleece, the fur, the boots. Yeah, remember yeah, the boots with yeah. the fur? Yeah, yeah. Apple oh, yeah, the boots with the fur. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, that yeah, that era was terrible. I hope that that era does not come back. That clothing, it's not, it's not good. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll look back at this and think that. This era is not. Yeah. Good. Who does this era? Does this era even have a, like the Coachella thing? Oh. I think like the it's like a a modern hippie thing. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Like everyone does flowers in their hair. Yeah. Which is so surprising like, that that's okay because of how PC we are these days, you know. And it's like, because as I've been looking at things for like wedding related stuff, mm-hmm. right? Like my taste is very like. Um, bohemian but sometimes I feel bad because a lot of the decor like when if I go on like Pinterest or whatever and I look up bohemian wedding yeah a lot of the the decor is like a play of like a play on like Native American kind Uh, of cultural stuff you'll find a lot of stuff yeah and I'm just like yeah but I want it (laughs) (laughs) you know so I'm like shoot what do I do um yeah because these because it's like it is all white girls when yeah, you look it up on Pinterest, yeah. all of these white girls with like feathers and uh Maybe you gotta look at that Pinterest. Stuff. I told you about it. Oh yeah, you did. What is yeah. it? Ooh, Maybe know. we should shout it out on here so that let me look it up. Yeah. Black Pinterest. Actually, I think I did see Maybe this recently. They'll have more tolerable uh, yeah. decor that's not offensive. To, Wasn't it like melanin? Yeah, it was like melanin. Melanin mel- 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 is the black Pinterest. I don't know. I think it was melanin interest or some something like that. But yeah, I do need to go on there because I I am one of the people that puts African American or black women hairstyles. Oh, you know? <laughs> I have to put makeup brown. <laughs> oh, okay. Um. So now we will transition into our what's being slept on segment. It's so funny. It's so true. It's funny because it's true. The song suggests that you wake the fuck up. Okay, so now for our What's Being Slept On segment. Um, yeah, so this week we are going to talk about anxiety because... I mean, we just always kind of need to talk about anxiety. Yeah. Got to talk it out. Got to talk it out. Yeah, and we got a lot of, uh, it's actually one of our most popular episodes when we talked about mental health and uh, self-care. And so we figured that from when we did that to now, Mm -hmm. we, you know, I've had a baby, um, Ebony's 
engaged so there's like we're both still yeah PhD programs. we're both still in school <laughs> and almost in different positions in our school where there's new more closer proximate anxiety and stress yeah. and so just how we've been able to cope and not cope with anxiety yeah and yeah. hopefully that would be helpful to you guys or at least you can kind of get an insight into the type of anxiety that we deal with because it may seem like we don't have any because we're just like oh hey how are you doing but yeah I think we're also so we're also both Virgos and I think that Um, yeah I think that there's a I mean I guess without getting too deep into it there's there are a lot of uh characteristics of Virgos that are like uh, about compartmentalizing and that you know like we're good at um, kind of having a kind of calm and put together face in public, even oh, yeah, regardless of like how we feel on the inside or like how yeah. we are at home or like with my with our partners yeah. or oh my god. So last week, so Maurice listened to our episode, right? He doesn't always listen, and so he was like, "Why are you calling me partner?" Like, <laughs> so he doesn't like it. So I'm gonna stop saying it. Um, what does he want you because, to call your fiance? Yeah, yeah. like he, I. I or I guess I could just call him Maurice. I mean, I'm not very attached to partner. I think I do it more so out of like a, you know, like for other people around. So it's yeah. like there isn't a pressure to name like what stage you are in your relationship. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah. So gonna I like partner because it confuses people on that. They're yeah. like, what is she? A is she lesbian? lesbian? Yes. Is this yeah. Yeah. Like, but she has a baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I've been, like, peeping people trying to figure... Well, anyways, that's... that We can have that conversation (laughs) offline. (laughs) That's to get way too... um, Okay, so we wanted to start out, as as we often do, kind of reference Psychology Today, um, because they have a lot of really good articles on there, and so I would suggest checking it out if you have questions. Like, I used Psychology Today to find my um, current therapist. Mm -hmm. I just typed black therapists... Mm -hmm. And you can put in your zip code or whatever, and then a bunch of stuff will come up. There's tons of things about how, like, mental health stuff, obviously. Yeah. Um, Lots of articles. Yeah. Yeah. And mostly written by, you know, doctors, people who are, like, practicing psychologists and therapists and psychiatrists. People who do research. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, so they had some tips for managing anxiety that we kind of just wanted to run through. Mm-hmm. And then um, Selma will give some more detailed insight about, you know, uh, tips that she'd gotten from her therapist that she actually uses. Mm-hmm. I don't use many of the <laughs> tips that I've been given, um, not because they aren't useful, but just because I uh, have a tendency to lean into anxiety, which is mm-hmm. <laughs> something that actually, I guess that's a tip. I would recommend not doing that if you can avoid it. Um, but yeah, anyways, so I will list out the 10 tips. So number one, um, accept that anxiety is a normal emotion and can be helpful. Yeah. Number two, understand that anxiety can't harm you. So Zelma and I have some qualms about that yeah. that we'll get into. Um, three, avoid avoidance. And I think that this is really important mm-hmm. and something that I do not do because I will sit in my house all day avoiding people (laughs) Um, and just school and other things that cause anxiety. Um, Number four, check that your anxiety is justified. Five, consider being adventurous rather than avoiding risk and uncertainty. And I think that that ties back into number three. Um, 
six or seven. Check that your anxiety is justified. No, I already read those. Um, six or seven, refuse to let anxiety hold you back. Mm. Um, next, recruit help to change. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Next, be aware of the bigger picture. Yeah. And lastly, seek professional help if you feel you need it. Yes. Um, and so generally, I feel like those are all pretty helpful. Um, yeah. And we'll kind of go into a little bit more detail. So, Zelma, what do you think about accepting that anxiety is a normal emotion and can be helpful? Um, I think, so the way, like, it was, so I actually have been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder, which is just, you know, a fancy way of saying that I can, I get anxious about everything. Um, And so the way that it's been explained to me is that, you know, everyone deals with anxiety and anxiety can kind of um, push you into kind of like character character building kind of in a way where it pushes you to like strive for better. For example, um, if I'm anxious about my project because I don't want to fail, then that's going to kind of motivate me to put a lot of work in, to put a lot of effort in. But there are some people who don't have like a cutoff for that anxiety and it seeps into like instead of helping you, it, it harms you. And so that's when anxiety becomes detrimental. So it's, I think some people think, oh, anxiety is just bad, but anxiety can be good. It's just the way that you manage it and whether it is helpful to you or it is hurtful to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I agree that it's, it's normal. Um, but it shouldn't be like every day, every yeah. hour of the day about everything. Yeah. About like you can be anxious yeah. about a promotion, about yeah. a, you a know, test. getting married, yeah. about having a baby, mm-hmm. but you shouldn't be anxious about to a point where you're like, I, I can't do this. I, I, you're like falling apart and having breakdowns because yeah. you don't think you can go through with it. That's when it's negative. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, um, so I, I've pretty much dealt with anxiety my whole life, but it was only in college that I, um, actually started talking to someone about it. Well, it wasn't until college actually that I realized it wasn't normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so, cause like Zoma is saying that, or the, the, the level of anxiety that mm-hmm. I was dealing with wasn't normal because like Zelma is saying, anxiety is a, a normal kind of emotional response to, I mean, I guess, I mean, maybe uncertainty, you know, yeah, to yeah. kind of like, it's like a, I think that it's a chemical response to, to uncertainty and, you know, kind of just the feelings of being nervous, you know, maybe if you, um, are uncomfortable in crowds, you might feel anxious yeah. or if you're having to, talk in front of a large group of people and things like that. But also like Zelma is saying, kind of just like I like being in a being in a space where I don't know anybody, it kind of it, it can be um anxiety provoking to the point of like it being debilitating. And like what Zelma is saying, like that is not um normal because it doesn't allow you to be productive. Right. And so or even like um taking like really high risk tests. Like I um, have before been so anxious that I kind of just sit in front of my test and write absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. And so that I think once it gets to that point, that's where it's like, OK, yeah. kind of need to find a way to um, manage it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and get to the root of like yeah. whatever it is, because if there, there are certain things that are 
that like you might feel pa- like paralyzed in the moment, but you have to do it. Yeah. So like certain tests, I have felt paralyzed in the moment that, but I got to figure out a way to get through it because I have to take the test. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then there've been other times where, you know, like I, I used to do, um, a lot of like uh, spoken word poetry and perform and stuff like that. And the first, the first time that I did it as an adult, like I, it was for a competition and I like, went up on stage and I could not remember any of my lines and I just walked off stage, (laughs) you know? Yeah, it was embarrassing. (laughs) It was embarrassing. And it, but it was, it was useful in that I, um, I like pushed myself to get up on stage and do it again. Okay. Um, and then over time I got more and more comfortable and actually started to feel more comfortable on stage than I did in like you know, regular interpersonal interactions with people. Um, so yeah, I think that it's definitely something that can be worked out, but you have to push your way through it. Um, yeah. Okay. And then, okay. So the one that we kind of felt away about was, um, understand that anxiety can't harm you. Yeah. Um, And so what did you think about that? Um, I just, I don't know. Like, so I'm a health researcher and the main thing that I focus on is health behaviors. And so health behaviors that I focus on are a response to stress, which I think is linked to, can be linked to anxiety. And so there, you know, anxiety causes like physical things to happen in your body. If you're anxious all the time, that means that your body is like, it's on like super hyper alert 24 Mm seven. And that's bad for you. That uh, results in inflammation of your joints and inflammation of your organs. It's your heart is beating too fast, too, uh, too much. It's working too hard all the time that, you know, we call it a wear and tear on your body. Mm -hmm. So you're literally, because you're amped up, it's like you're amped up 24 (laughs) seven. And if you're 25, and you've been, you know, by the time you're 40, yeah. if you're probably like the same, probably comparable to like an 80 year old with the yeah. amount of pressure and stress yeah. that your body is going through. So I think that anxiety can harm you. Yeah. It can definitely make you sick. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's literally like, there are chemicals that your brain releases when you feel anxious. And if, yeah. if you're overly exposed to those chemicals, like there's internal damage, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, I know people that, um, so I don't personally do this, but I know people that because they're anxious, they like grind their teeth. Oh my gosh, I do that. Yeah. 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 I wake up and then my mouth hurts so bad. And sometimes when I chew, like it pops Yeah, and then my head hurts because there's so much pressure. Yeah. 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 I have a friend that gets migraines because of it. Yeah. So it can, yeah. And yeah, I, so it can definitely have effects in that way. And then there was like a period of, um, I mean, I had to get on like melatonin like prescriptions because there was a period of maybe a year where I could, I didn't have normal sleeping patterns. Yeah. And it was because my, you know, like, the, like essentially what my therapist said is that like my brain is kind of always running. Mm-hmm. And so when I, if I'm not in REM sleep, then I just kind of wake up mm-hmm. um, or I don't, my brain doesn't allow itself to go into like mm-hmm. a deep sleep. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I would wake up and then I would just be thinking about like, what I have to do the next day or like, you know, planning out my day and I couldn't go back to sleep. And so I would be waking up at like 3am and then just be up 
Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and so, yeah, yeah it, it definitely, I mean, and then, you know, not sleeping has, yeah. has negative effects. Yeah, so. last night at 3 a.m., I was thinking about what happened if I got deported. And I don't know <laughs> why. I don't know why. I mean, I mean, I know why because yeah. that's something that's happened to my family. But I was just like, oh, my gosh, get a grip. Like, did I you had, figure out, did you think about, like, what would happen? What would it's, it was triggered because I saw, you know, Yara... Shah, Shah, yeah, Shahidi. Shahidi is in a new movie called um, The Star. The Sun is also a star, mm -hmm. which is based on a book about a family who's getting deported. Mm -hmm. And so she has one day before her family gets deported and she falls in love in this one day. It's based on a young adult <laughs> book. And I saw that on Instagram. And of course, a lot of people were like, this is so insensitive. Like, you know, if you're getting, there's so many people that the get deported. Yeah, they're like, the, or the premise of like, oh, my family's about to get deported, but let me fall in love. <laughs> and it's like, you know, there are people who actually have to go through this and it kind of makes it superficial. But I was like, I don't think she would be in a project that she yeah. thought and apparently the book was really good and then from that my mind went racing to like oh but what if this happens to you what would happen like were you prepared for that like how yeah. would you do this like how would you show proof that you were a citizen just all these different things and so like I stayed awake for 45 minutes and I was like man like if that little Instagram post triggered my anxiety yeah. to go to a place that I was like uh I had to work real hard put my phone away and be like okay just like try to yeah. go back to sleep but it definitely happens every once in a while where you know, I just, it just rains loose and I, yeah. I don't have a good night's sleep. You know what? Well, I had a question. Where is her family getting, where did they immigrate from? Jamaica. Okay. Okay. Um, so my, for the sleeping situation, my therapist recommended, um, like she, so I used to, when I was in college, I, the, the same issue has been re reoccurring for mm -hmm. a long time, but when I was in college, I started doing the like counting sheep thing. Mm -hmm. um, and she said that that doesn't work because it doesn't, you're, you have to practice mindfulness and focus, like kind of meditate on it. And so you can't just count invisible sheep. You have to imagine like what the sheep look like and mm -hmm. give them details and things like that. And then before you know it, you pull your mind away from the thing that you're feeling mm -hmm. anxious about because you're, you have to give so much, you have to dedicate so much brain power to this imaginary yeah. thing that you eventually fall asleep because okay. it, your brain's no longer focusing on that thing. So yeah, no, get for next time. Yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine sheep. the sheep. Yeah. Um, okay. So next, um, avoid avoidance. So a little bit of description. So avoidance is arguably the main factor that allows anxiety to develop and propagate. Avoiding highly dangerous things, such as running in front of, mo of moving cars, is quite sensible and reasonable. But if you're avoiding things that most other people think are safe, then you may need to deal with what may be inappropriate anxiety. Yeah. So do you practice any avoidance of things? Um, yeah. So throughout my life, I've, I've gone on medication for my anxiety, gotten off. You know, I got pregnant. When I was pregnant, I wasn't on and I'm still breastfeeding. So I'm not on medication, but I used to avoid driving because I was terrified of dying in a car accident. Mm. And to the point where, you know, those signs that say like exit in one and a half miles, I was afraid that would fall on my car and kill me. Mm. Or if I was 
uh, driving next to two cars, I was afraid that I was going to get squished. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I would just avoid, I, I would actually not go out with people because I didn't want to drive. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was thinking, oh my gosh, like it's getting hard. You have to drive. Like yeah. it's so hard to, to not drive. And I, of course I wouldn't take the bus anymore because I used to do that growing up and I was like, I'm not going to go back to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, and so I've been to, I've been there where I've avoided that. And that's what prompted me to go back to therapy and to get on medication because that was extreme anxiety. Um, and so some people, you know, just avoid social situations and they say, oh, well, I'm not today. I don't really feel, I feel like really off. So I'm not going to go to a party. Mm-hmm. But there are people like me who are like, I'm just afraid that everything's going to kill me. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to stay in my house. And even in the house, like I sometimes have. So like last year we go to, we go out of town every June to Colorado. And last year I was so anxious about the AC just stopped that it would stop working and my dogs would die because Mm -hmm. it would be too hot. Mm -hmm. Like, and that just thought just occurred to me like, Oh, the AC is going to stop working. And then no one's, you know, my dogs are going to like you, by the time the person who takes care of them comes to take care of them, they're going to be dead. Mm -hmm. And I told my partner, I was like, I can't go. Like, I can't go to this. It's just going to make me feel better if I don't go out of town and I just stay here and I'll feel better. And it was just kind of like a, one of those moments where we had to have a conversation where, where we were like, you can't, like, no, you can't do this. Like, yeah. this is giving into your anxiety and it's, uh, yeah. And so, but I've definitely, it's so easy to just say, oh, well, in order to not feel bad, I'm just not going to do that. Like, that's yeah. what makes me feel bad. So I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. But that's actually not, in the long run, it, it, it's a very unhealthy way to, like, live your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you, even though I do it. (laughs) Um, And I think, you know, I think that this is a really important point because it also shares a lot of um, a lot of um, things with depression as well, Mm -hmm. because there's a there is a tendency like when you feel depressed to avoid everything. Um, and so I have heard similarly that like, if you feel that way, you like, if you feel like, you know, I just need to stay in my house today because you know, I'm feeling depressed you, um, or for days or for a week, you need to force yourself to go out because a lot of the times those interactions can solve or cure what it is that you're feeling. Um, so I, I also, because the the things that make me the most anxious are things that I've kind of always struggled with. I think that I um, it I have increased my ability to compartmentalize and to kind of separate and like push things to the back of my mind um, because I do I I've kind of always had this like fear of um, like a really unrealistic fear of death. But mm-hmm. not just like death, but like dying in particular ways. Um, like when I was little, I used to have this like dr- this reoccurring dream of like my for some reason my family getting s- their car getting stuck on a bridge and then somebody just coming up and stabbing them. Oh my god! Yeah, it I was really really stabbing. Which coming. is why I need yeah I needed it I I so I avoid I try to avoid um, things that 
give me like Nick things that introduce new ways of dying to my mind. So like there used to be that show A Thousand Ways to Die. I loved that show. Oh my god. See I can't do stuff like that. And I I've watched all the Final Destination movies and it's terrible for my anxiety. And I used to actually watch like when I was little I used to be able to watch like scary movies and thrillers and things like that. But as as I got older and I started realizing that like people really die from things like this. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not just, like, an, you know, a creative kind of imaginary fake yeah. thing. Um, I got too obsessive about it. Yeah. And, like, you know, oh, is that... Like, you know, to the point where, like, they, I, I used to go to the movies by myself all the time. Oh, me too. Right? But then when people started getting killed in movie theaters, uh-huh. I would just sit in the theater and, like, if a white creepy guy would walk in, mm-hmm. like, I would be obsessed with that guy and mm-hmm. staring at that guy like, okay, if he makes any set of moves, like, I'm out this bitch. Yeah. You know? Um, and so I, I ultimately ended up walking out of a few movie theaters when there would be, like, somebody too fidgety. So oh, I had wow. to stop doing that. Um, but I, yeah, and so I can't watch shows like Criminal Minds and things like that because it just... I get too freaked out and like I'll I, I would like be getting up in the middle of the night going to make sure the doors were still locked mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. unnecessary stuff like that. Um I mean to to kind of like a I guess something that's a little bit more like normalized is like being uncomfortable in crowds and stuff like that. And so if I'm going to an event but I have to go by myself because somebody you know like maybe I invited somebody with me or and they couldn't go or nobody was down to go or whatever then I just won't go which Mm. it kind of I've been trying to force myself out of that because it's sometimes necessary for networking purposes um I haven't necessarily gotten there yet but it's just because I'm like you know at this point in my life I'm grown and I'm like why am I going to put myself in an uncomfortable position when I could be comfortable (laughs) elsewhere you know so like why be uncomfortable but um yeah I mean I think in times where I have um pushed myself and gone to certain events like I've made friends and it's been beneficial but it just takes a while for me to get there yeah and most of the time I'll just go and I'll like sit in the corner and then at some point somebody will talk to me or like I'll try to busy myself with helping people like the organizers do y'all need anything I know you don't know me but I I mean those are steps yeah steps yeah it's better than just not going at all yeah yeah okay so next um check that your anxiety is justified Um, so very often you should reality check your anxieties Mm -hmm. is what you're anxious about really a significant threat or challenge or are other people anxious about the things you are? Um, often the thing causing your anxiety may not be dangerous or threatening or may not be as dangerous or threatening as you think. Um, and I, I mean, hmm, I actually, I don't know. That's like a weird, that's a weird thing for me because justified by whom? Like who gets to justify? Um, Well, like, uh, so airplanes. So I'll get really freaked. So my partner's an engineer Mm -hmm. and I'll get really freaked out. And although recently, you know, with the whole like airplane piece. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. Okay. Then that's a bad one. But okay. So in the house, there'll be, I'll be like, um, what if like one of my anxieties is what if the AC just like it's working too hard it catches on fire mm. and then my, par- yeah, my partner will be like 
let me explain to you why that can't happen. Mm -hmm. Or I'll be like, what if, you know, the grill, we leave the grill on Mm -hmm. and the house explodes? And he'll be like, okay, well, let me just walk you through why that could happen, but probably won't. And so he'll like break it down and explain to me. And like, because I'm also a logical person, Um, having someone explain to me like, well, I am a professional engineer and I'm telling you this cannot happen. I feel better about that. Mm -hmm. And so in in that case, it's kind of like some of the anxieties that I have about like house stuff are like, you know, if I'm like, oh my gosh, the dog is limping weird. What if he dies at night? And he's like, well, I don't, the dog would cry mm-hmm. if he was really hurt and we would know and just stuff like that. I'm like, what if the baby just like stops breathing? Oh the yeah, the baby stops breathing and I won't be there. And he's like, well, you know, and he just walks me through mm-hmm. a lot of stuff. And so that that's helpful. And so to me, that's how my anxiety can be kind of checked. Yeah. But I agree, like there, then there's also like, just every once in a while, random act happens and people like get fucked or die. Yeah. And so yeah. that's what my anxiety will fixate on. But I will give myself a break and be like, okay, fine. You explained it. So I won't worry about that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it, I think that this is hard because, well, okay. So for me, I think that my, typically I reality check myself. Um, so, well, one thing is like Maurice is, but he, I don't think it really helps me because he, he plays poker and he's all about odds. Like everything mm-hmm. for him is about odds. And it's like, so, no, so what? It could happen to one in a thousand yeah. people. What if I'm that one in a thousand? Yeah. <laughs> or what if you're that one in a thousand? That's kind of how I like, you know, my, my rebuttal to that. So it, like I, it could be helpful, but then it just isn't for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it might not be for, and these, that's why I think like, it's anxiety happens to a lot of us, but it's also like you have to identify how your, what your anxiety just triggered by and what it is helpful, what is helped by and what it is hurt by, because some of these things might not help you. They might make it worse, but some of these things might be helpful. So I think like it's also trial and error. Yeah. Yeah. I think that one way that I've kind of helped myself is that I, so I think about my, I think about my anxiety in terms of worrying, right? And so it's like, you know, there's this one quote that I read. I don't remember when I read it, but I um, it was super helpful because it's like, why, basically like, why worry about things that you can't do anything about? Yeah. You yeah. know? And so I, it sometimes I'll reflect on that and I will, um, it'll help me to just kind of accept that like, well, if this is meant to happen, like there's nothing I would be able to do about it anyway. Um, and that, that helps with the things that are out of my control, the things that are in my control, like, you know, I don't know, things related to school or whatever. Um, it doesn't help with that, but like, so for this whole, like with this whole Nipsey thing, right. I, um, and how like he owns a store and all that stuff. I think that I've kind of inserted me and like my relationship into Mm -hmm. that scenario. And because my, cause Maurice owns, um, owns a store and, he also, like Nipsey, employs a lot of people that are like felons and people that are into a lot of, you know, like into a lot of shit. And I mean, granted, like, I don't want to be um, like, oh, you know, once a felon, like always a criminal kind of thing. Not that thing. But it's just like in general, like who could be people like it doesn't necessarily have to be them. It could be anybody like that 
could see him or interact with him or whatever. Anything could happen. And so lately I've been like, my mind has kind of been obsessing about that. And there have been a couple of times where I'm like, you could work from home today. And he's like, I, and he's like, you know, I'm not going to avoid my business because of this, you know? Yeah. And so because I know that he isn't going to do that, just because I'm feeling anxious about it, I kind of have to push it back and kind of like so it's not let go but it's just that I force myself not to think about it or not to dwell on it and push my mind to focus on other things yeah Um, yeah. and managing your anxiety doesn't mean that stuff won't make you worry it just means you manage how you worry about that stuff yeah yeah and so it's like well is it justified to kind of see myself or my my life in somebody else's I don't know but it, so I just I'm I guess I manage it by like pushing it down. Yeah. Um okay. And then so I'm gonna skip this one about being adventurous, yeah. Yeah, because like it's kind one. of similar and it's kind of similar to what we talked about. Like, you know, consider being adventurous rather than avoiding risk and uncertainty. It's like, you know, we kind of Yeah, kind of also the same with refusing to let anxiety hold you back. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, okay. And then, so no one is perfect. Take a break from, um, the rigid rules that make you anxious. Setting the highest standards for everything all the time is a recipe for stress and anxiety. Yeah. And I think that, I, I think that this also goes back to, so I don't know. I, I mean, I kind of, I think I'm of uh, myself as kind of a, um, kind of a quintessential Virgo. I don't know if you see yourself that way, but I think that kind of following like really rigid rules and kind of having this like standard, this unrealistic standard of perfection is an issue that I have. And I think that that does lead to a lot of anxiety because it's like, you know, sometimes I think that like, you know, oh, this, uh, I don't know, like what I'm working on right now. Right. So like working on my dissertation and I, I hear kind of faculty always saying, like, your dissertation is not going to be your best work. Like, it doesn't, you know, don't drive yourself crazy with this dissertation, blah, 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 blah. But then I'm, like, obsessively working on this thing and probably, you know, you know, way beyond what is necessary. But I can't stop. Yeah. (laughs) It's like I know that I'm doing too much, but I can't stop myself from doing too much. Um, And it's – and today, actually, I don't know what it was – like I got, I, I just, somehow I just turned off something and just wrote and like, didn't somebody gave me, I think advice at one point that was like, just write. It doesn't matter if it all makes sense yeah. the first time through. Does you don't have to have all your citations. You don't have to have like, don't backspace, just write. If the, if you wrote and you don't like that sentence, rewrite it, but do not go back. Um, and so I tried to practice that today because I was like, I need to get, you know, I, I had a, uh, I had a goal in mind that I needed to meet. Um, but typically that is not my process. Typically it's like, you know, perfect this sentence, then move on to the next sentence, yeah. then the next sentence. Okay. Now perfect this paragraph and then move on to the next one. Um, which is ridiculously tedious and it does lead to anxiety because it's like, Oh my God, it's been two hours and I haven't done anything. Like now yeah. I'm anxious about the rest of the day and like, am I going to get stuff done? Um, yeah, so I don't know. What it... Yeah, no, that I mean that that's great. I'm anxious, <laughs> but I don't do that. I just like write and then I go back the yeah. next day. So I do everything day by day. Today I say I'm gonna write this, tomorrow I'll look it over. 
Um, but no, I think especially for us being in grad school or for me, I was always like in high school and in college, people would describe and people would make jokes about like Zalmo's perfect. Mm. And it's because I, I worked so hard to not let anyone see any faults or see like I would iron like ironing my clothes, making sure I always looked good. And a part of that's my mom like really instilling in me like you always have to be your best and look mm-hmm. your best. And a part of it is just the type of personality that I have, it's being super hard on myself and mm-hmm. feeling like I need to be perfect because people expect perfection. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until um, my therapist told me to be more transparent. Um, because my friends told me they felt like they didn't know me. They're like, we share things about us, but you don't ever share. And I just ask them questions and I'll keep, you know, conversations going by being like, well, no, they're like, how are you? Or everything okay with you? And, you know, and I'd be like, well, yeah, that's fine. But how are you? Like, and are we so, the same person? yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's the same type of person that will be in grad school. Yeah. Cause it's like all these qualities will help you obsess so much that you yeah. get work done and then you, you turn in such good work. But also the downside is like you become a really dedicated your entire like and you're just anxious and worried. And so I don't know. The the biggest thing for me was admitting when I fail and admitting all the things that I do wrong and letting myself not worry about like how I look all the time. So, yeah, um, but I mean, that one's hard, like being perfect. Yes. Okay. Um, And then. The last, the last couple are, okay, so getting help yeah. for, to manage your anxiety because sometimes it is a difficult task yes. to do on your own because yeah. sometimes you're not even aware of it. Yeah. Um, like, you know, because of social media, I think I became more, like I knew that I had anxiety, but I became more aware of the fact that it was a normal thing. Because I like 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 what you were saying, like I never before college, I never talked to anybody about it because I thought like, oh, something's fucked up with my brain. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I don't want to like I don't need to involve anybody else with this. Um, And so I think that after realizing that, you know, this is a thing that other people deal with, I felt like, okay, I need to talk to somebody. And so that's why I um, pursued therapy and stuff like that in college. And. I have not always been super consistent with it because, I mean, one, you know, not having healthcare is the thing. So mm-hmm. once I graduated college, I there was like a lapse. <laughs> yeah, there was yeah. a lapse in my coverage, so I didn't I didn't have anybody, and um, that was actually a probably one of the most anxious periods of my life, like moving away mm-hmm. from home, like yeah. not having anybody here, um, starting grad school. Yeah, there yeah. was like a lot of deaths in my family um, during that, like six seventh month six seven month period um yeah I was like I didn't have a job I was doing temp work like there was a whole bunch of shit where like probably could have used a therapist um but yeah and so I think but I I did rely a lot more on family during that during during that period and there are also I think it's useful to have friends that you can you know say like hey this is how I'm feeling today. Does that sound like, you know, it's worth what I'm feeling or worthy of what I'm feeling or, you know, tell people that you're worried or concerned and then you have somebody that will, like, snap you out of it and yeah. be like, you know, yeah, like, no, you're a badass yeah, kind like of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I mean, they're, and my mom is really good at that, like, where I'll, 
because um, now, even at this, you know, I thought that I would get to this point in the program and feel free mm. and feel like, oh, yes, I've made it to like ABD, which is, you know, a really hard place to get to. But then it just the anxiety just kind of manifested into itself into something else yeah. and um, latched on to other things. And I want to drop out every day. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's like every time I tell people that, they're like, what? At this point, you've yeah. made it so far. And I'm like, no, I remember growing up and hearing people that dropped out with a year or a semester left. And I was like, how stupid is that? Yeah. But I totally get it now. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. So telling my parents that, it, and and then their response being like encouraging is very very um, helpful. That's good. Yeah. So what about you? Yeah. Well, you know, I see my therapist, and I've been on medication um, when it got really bad. Um, in addition to therapy, but um, in my therapist space, you know, the, the main tools that I use are um, so there's this thing called so I had panic attacks. Um, and so there's things, people call it different things like seven, six, five, five, four, three, three, two, one. And it's like, um, so what you talked about, like mindfulness, it's like, you have to like snap yourself out of whatever it is that you're obsessing about. Mm -hmm. And so you do that by like really concentrating on things. And so you, you use your, your five senses so you can pick whichever one. So you think if you're doing seven, six, five, five, four, three, three, two, one, whichever set of numbers, you just pick one. I'll. For example, do seven, six, five. So I'll do, let me think of seven things. And so you, you picture yourself in a room at your house and you say, okay, I'm in my bedroom. I'm going to pick seven things that I see in my bedroom. And then I'll be like, okay, on my wall, I have a frame next to that frame. I have another frame of me. And then you go, you go through the list of seven things and six, you're like, okay, six things that I smell in my bedroom. Okay. I have an air freshener. I have, and then you go through that. Okay. And then five things that I hear. Okay. I hear my cat. I hear mm -hmm. my dogs. And so the process of doing that kind of like makes you focus all that anxious energy into putting like yourself and so that works not only with anxiety but also if you have panic attacks mm -hmm. because the whole thing with the panic attack is you think that you are about to die in that moment and so by focusing all that energy on something else you're not obsessing about um what might happen and the other thing my therapist told me is like anxiety is about being stuck in the past and obsessing about the, or obsessing about the future. And so you're not living in the present. And yeah. so I always have to ask myself, like, is this something that has to do with me being like, oh my gosh, I replay moments in my life. Like every once in a while, I'll replay this awful thing that happened in like 10th grade. And I'll be like, oh my God, I just like torture myself by yeah. like reliving that in my yeah. head or reliving conversations. And I'm like, why do I do that? Or I'll, I'll think like, oh my gosh, what if I don't get a job? What if I don't get a job? What yeah. if I have to move? This is going to be terrible. And so I have to check myself and say, is this something that happened in the past? Is this something that hasn't happened yet that I'm obsessing about? That okay. may not even happen. Yes. Okay. So if the, if it's those things, then like, what am I doing now? Like, oh, well, today I'm going to do my laundry. So let me just do that. Yeah. And it kind of helps me bring myself back into it. And then just like having someone to talk to. I really suggest a therapist because um, therapists can guide you into, because like we mentioned, there are things that work and things that don't work. There are strategies like the breathing in and out people do. It doesn't work for me. But there's this thing where you pretend to have a hot, um, like a hot chocolate or a coffee. So you like pretend you're holding the hot chocolate. You pretend you're blowing it because it's hot. 
you pretend you're drinking it and like that whole process is like you using your hands you using your 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 mouth you using your nose like you're just using all these senses that kind of settle you into that moment um and then the last thing that i found to be helpful is like you visualize your anxiety going away so i'll say i'm really anxious right now about not having a job so all that job anxiety i'm gonna put in a ball i'm gonna go to the beach put that ball on the ocean and i'm gonna watch it just drift away and it sounds really like yoga hipster but it actually like you watching it in your mind go away mm-hmm. kind of helps you feel like okay it just helps me feel better yeah. so those are kind of some tips that my therapist has told me that have I found to be really helpful and then just look at apps there are so many mindfulness apps and anxiety apps that will walk you on your fitbit you have a relaxation thing where it's two minutes of deep breathing that doesn't work for me but it works for a lot of people um and so there are things that you can use if you can't afford a therapist or if you don't um have one close to you there are tools and resources that you can use that will help you. The ones that I've mentioned just now and then apps on your phone that are free. Mm-hmm. So definitely would suggest using those. But the most important thing is for you to recognize, is my anxiety healthy or is it not? And asking yourself, does it help me or does it hurt me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, with that, we're going to wrap up yeah. episode 10. Um, yeah, write us and let us know what you thought, if you thought yeah. it was helpful. Um, we tried to crowdsource some um, topics this week on Instagram and didn't get very many responses. <laughs> um, so if y'all are listening and follow us on Instagram, um, you know, just be vigilant and... Let us know that you're out there. If you listen to us and you don't follow us on Instagram, we encourage you to do that. And this is where we're going to drop that information. Yeah. So you can follow us on Instagram at wokeishpodcast. Um, You can also email us at woke.ishpodcast at gmail.com. But we really get the most interaction via Instagram. We upload clips every week um, of our episodes so you can kind of get a sample of what we're going to talk about but we would all and we also do like our stories stuff in our stories but please feel free to dm us tag us comment under our um post we'll post things that aren't have to do that don't have to do with the episode that are just things in the week that made us mad or made us happy so please feel free to interact with us we do our best to respond to everyone um but yeah we we are appreciate you listening and you know we appreciate your feedback but until next time. Bye. Okay. Woo.